Hello, and welcome to the Understanding Autism podcast, where we talk about issues related to those in the autism and greater neurodiverse community. I'm your co-host, Brett Thayer. And I am Nicole Cabillas. Today's episode is about why people with autism struggle with object permanence and working memory. Object permanence is objects and people continue to exist even when you cannot see or hear them. And working memory is the retention of small amounts of memory in a readily accessible form. As an autistic person, are you someone that is constantly misplacing objects and can't find them when you really need them? And do you lose your cool when you hit a wall trying to find that object? If you are a parent of a child with autism, is that also relatable? Yes, this episode, yeah. oh God, yeah, I think my parents would <laughs> attest to that too. This Absolutely. episode is about explaining why this is such a challenge for people with autism and what can be done to address it. Ultimately, object permanence and working memory play a huge role in executive functioning. All right, so even though object permanence and working memory challenges are just as applicable to people with autism as they are to other neurodivergent people, there are a few resources on the internet that focuses exclusively on this topic. Most of the link is associated with people that have ADHD, for example. In this episode, we're gonna talk about how object permanence and working memory are related to the executive functioning of neurodivergent people, and we will also talk about it, how it relates to people that are part of the autistic community. Neurodiverse people with lack of object permanence fail to complete tasks become upset when they can't find something, buy extra products in their home, and miss important bill payments. Working memory challenges have three different factors that impact neurodiverse people. Phonological loop, which is keeping auditory information active in your consciousness for the purpose of immediate problem solving, such as memorizing an important fact for a test. Then there's the central executive functioning, which is being able to remember important information related to a task and filter out irrelevant memories, such as mm -hmm. taking notes while the environmental distractions are in the classroom. And then there's visual spatial, which is keeping visual images and spatial information active in your mind for problem solving, such as remembering the location of mm -hmm. misplaced objects like keys and phone. Absolutely. Okay, so why is working memory and object permanence such a struggle with those on the spectrum? Well, detail-oriented thinkers, right, might get overwhelmed by the clutter of so many objects and cannot visually differentiate between them to find what they're looking for. Um, otherwise, organization is not something that interests them. Even though people with autism prefer order, routine, and predictability, this doesn't necessarily mean that a person with autism is naturally organized or a perfectionist about their surroundings. It takes extra mental effort to be organized and tidy. I can attest to this as a father of a autistic teenager. When he was a teenager, his room was a mess. Mm -hmm. Right. I, um, and no desire to really clean it up. It's like, no, I'm not doing it. It's like, oh, great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Also, they might not have guidance on how to be organized. Okay, um, other factors. When a person with autism becomes fixated on an exciting activity or perseverates on something that creates a great deal of anxiety, for example, placing important objects in a familiar place is not a priority. A person with autism can get distracted by sensory stimuli, which can increase forgetfulness. And people with autism have a low frustration tolerance, as to our previous episode. 
can get easily impatient and frustrated when they cannot readily find something in the exact place they thought it was. Mm -hmm. So the solutions for dealing with working memory and object permanence challenges. Use an automated options for tasks like paying bills. Mm -hmm. Place essential items where you can clearly see them. Have a designated home for important objects. I've seen some autistic YouTubers who will do like a, a room tour or a mm -hmm. house tour. And one of the things that they talk about really helps them is having really shallow shelves so mm -hmm. that you know how it is like when you're when you have a pantry and you've got mm -hmm. spices and they're just like piled way, way back. Right. And then you, and it's not like you're going to pull everything out, find what you need and put everything back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having shallower shelves prevents that. So that that can be really helpful. Um, having a daily cleanup routine. And I think, again, you know, part of the challenge of that is having a mindfulness practice because, right, you know, we right. get fixated or when we're exhausted, we're just like, you know, we don't have the energy to like right. divulge in cleaning. And And I know like for me, I have a daily cleanup routine, but I do it in the morning. So in the mm. evening our apartment is just completely messy. And, you know, mm. my husband and I are not the most clean people. Right, uh, right. I wouldn't say we're dirty. You know, we just we just have a habit of just, you know, leaving clothes on the ground. Sure. Um, you know, after my husband cooks, I clean, but I, I typically don't clean after he cooks. And it's just the two of us. It's not like we have other roommates. But we have an agreement that um, my energy level is better in the morning. Mm -hmm. So he's okay that things are dirty at night if it means that when I wake up at six or seven in the morning, the first thing I do is I clean, you mm -hmm. know, get the chores done before right. you get enraptured in a fixation activity. Mm -hmm. um, so I yeah, think see, I, having, I, I, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. I couldn't do that at all. So it's like, I'm a night person and uh, my wife and I have clear tasks, right? So if she's cooking, I'm cleaning. If I'm cleaning, she's cooking and stuff like that. All, all our agreement is between the two of us is that we have a mutual agreed upon idea of where things go, mm. right? I have to know where to find stuff, right? And if she puts it in different places, like, no, that's not going to work. So same kind of thing, right? So if you're in a relationship and you're on the spectrum and your partner is or is not on the spectrum, do you have an agreed upon place where things go and they always go in that same place or not? Yeah, I think that's useful for anybody, even if you're Definitely. not on the spectrum. I remember, like, I'm really picky about um, my laundry. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm ultra anal about the way I organize things. Right. But my husband is super haphazard with, like, where mm. he puts his clothes. That like, there's no crazy. sense of, well, it it doesn't drive me crazy because it's his clothes and it's his business. Oh, okay. Um, but one time when I was uh out of town, he did laundry mm -hmm. and I thought it was very sweet of him, but he had his own system of organization mm -hmm. and I couldn't find any clothes that right. I wanted because it was like shirts that I typically fold or all yes. of a sudden being hung up and mm. 
And I ended up getting really mad at him for it. And, oh, and I that's said, awesome. And that's I was true. like, yeah. I felt really bad because he did this really yeah, nice he, thing. Exactly. But he, but he achieved it in a way that like didn't work with my structure of organization. Yeah, that's and interesting. Then, okay. And it like increased my anxiety because I couldn't find the things that, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Here's um, your husband who did this nice thing and you're upset with him. It's like, yeah, what? Yeah, what? yeah. And, I, and I'll also add too, like he's the cook. Mm. And I'm the and I'm the cleaner. And what mm -hmm. I really like about cleaning um, as an autistic person is cleaning is always the same. Mm. You know, cooking, there's right, a lot right. of variety. You have to plan. You have to go no, to the grocery store. Um, what I like about cleaning is I don't have to plan for cleaning. Mm -hmm. I can just, sure. it, you know, it's it's this predict predictable routine that's the same. And, and you when clean I was in the same way, right? So well, yeah. And when I was working as a teacher. Um, I allowed enough time in my morning. So in addition to, you know, doing my own personal hygiene routine and getting dressed, sure, I would also clean the kitchen and it kind of became like the soothing routine, but mm. I'm dead. Like by, by nighttime, I'm not a night person. I could mm. wake up at five in the morning and be super productive. So, yeah, you know, so not I think us, my, my, hu yeah, my husband gets it and he's like, you know, if, if that's the best time that works for you, that sure. works for me, but sure. you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to talk about it, but yeah, yeah I mean, I think, um, I think it's, it's good to have that, that sweep. Um, and I also think that it's, it's also really good to pause. Like when I come home, I'm just mm -hmm. tempted to like, I'm going to throw my purse on the floor and then I right. use my phone, you know, cause right, I'm, right, I'm right. using it for whatever reason, like watching YouTube videos in the bedroom. And then all of a sudden the phone sneaks under the covers and then right. I make the bed and then I'm freaking out about where my phone is when, exactly, yeah. when I think what could fix the issue is me pausing mm -hmm. before I just mindlessly throw it wherever I want to and right. say, all right, I'm going to put it in my purse and my purse is going to be located in this spot. And right, just, right. you know, having that, that pause mm -hmm. to then say like, all right, where is it going to go? And and it can be a lot of work when you're mm -hmm. fatigued, but I think that that's part of that cleanup routine right. is if you're, you know, if you're paying attention to your space and if you're really kind of taking time when you're calm to look at everything and go, hmm, I don't think that goes where it typically goes or, mm. okay, right. I'm not stressed and I found this thing, but I might forget where it is when I need it. And right. so it's kind of like a reset. So I, I think that's helpful. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I think a cleanup routine depends on like how much effort you want to put into it. Some people are going to put a lot of effort into it. Some people right, just, right. you know, need the path of least resistance. Right. All right. So make a pile of important things you need for the day, the night before, or at least an hour before an activity. Set reminders on your phone. Keep a log of all of the places that you find commonly misplaced objects. That's an interesting one. Well, you know, I think part of the struggle when you lose things, like I'm always like, all right, if I lost my phone, I'm going to default to XYZ place. And usually right. when I when I get frustrated, it's because I end up putting my phone in a place that I would never think to look. I mean, I've, I've found my phone under the covers. I found it like in the closet. I found it right, in, like, yeah, yeah. on the laundry, you know, thing. I mm -hmm. mean, and that's what's hard. It's like when you're kind of mindlessly, you know, 
setting your phone down, you don't think like, oh, right. it's going to be there. I actually remember um, I lost my passport once and that mm. was really stressful because I Definitely. was getting ready for international travel and, you know, buying a new passport. That's a lot of work. Of so I am scouring my entire apartment for mm -hmm. my passport mm -hmm. and and it's like i know it's there because i had just gotten a new passport mm -hmm. i knew it was in the apartment i and i knew that i i typically put it in a certain drawer but it wasn't there so mm -hmm. i was like so upset like where did it go and it was to the point where i'm like pulling things off of shelves and right, you know right. like hyper detailed search well come to find out the passport had shifted over the back of the drawer because I guess it oh. was too full and it so oh, then wow. it ended up behind a bag of rice on the lower shelf. Oh, that's and odd. so so I think that like unfortunately those are the things that you go through. Um mm -hmm. and and I think that once you find your object then you're like, oh I found it. What can I do differently so that yeah, it, yeah. that doesn't happen again. But then For sure. If I lose my passport and it's not in that drawer, then I know, all right, I'm going to look in the back part of the cabinet and see if that happened again. Okay. And so, you know, some people like that organization. And mm -hmm. and, and again, it's about building mindfulness and awareness of like, what are your yes. habits of yes. where you put things? So that's why if you keep a log, like a written log, or even if you have like, you know, some really cruddy, you know, floor plan of your apartment and you just circle like all the areas where you, you know your object typically is maybe mm -hmm. you'll see a trend no, and when you see idea. that trend then you're going to be more mindful of like all right i'm going to break that trend and i'm going to put it somewhere else yeah i could tell you that um my house becomes the cleanest when i lose something oh yeah yeah because i'm like I'm, that too because i can't find anything it's like oh so i i you know, it's like, oh, go through this drawer. Well, now this drawer is a mess. Now, okay, fix everything and put everything away. And, and yeah. usually when I lose something, it's because I'm cleaning up, right? Well, And then I don't realize yeah. that I'm putting something away where it doesn't usually go. And, you know, and then it becomes frustrating. But like you said, having that mindfulness, it's like, okay, I need like one spot for this thing, right? So for like important paper should be in like one spot in my house. Maybe I have a safe or whatever like that, or or um, I have one spot for these things. And then um, I have to have a habit, like you're saying, develop that that habit of it always goes there. It'd be right. So just yeah, and it's and it's hard to have that mental endurance to develop that habit. But yeah, you know, sure. if it means that you don't have a a frustration episode. Is it worth it? Exactly. I agree. All right. So have a mindfulness practice when entering the house to put things where they belong rather than mm -hmm. screwing them across, across the floor. So the big key with this one is just slowing down. Mm -hmm. So it just means like when you enter your house, instead of just storming into the house and, you know, if it's cold, it's like, all right, I'm going to throw my jacket on the floor. Oh, my purse goes this way. Oh, my sure. shoes are over here. Right. What you do is you just take a moment of pause. You just stop in the doorway, you know, take a breath and then mm -hmm. move, not like move in slow motion, but just move a little bit slower. You know, as you take your purse off, you know, as you're moving slowly, you go, hmm, where is this supposed to go? Right. And then, you know, close the circle, make sure that object goes to its home. 
then mm -hmm. move on to your coat. Okay, where does that coat go? Well, right, your right. coat and your shoes probably go in the same spot. So you walk to the closet mm -hmm. and then, you know, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of the times, like I know like when I'm tired and I'm taking, you know, I'm changing my clothes for bedtime. Um, I think in my mind, oh, I'm saving time by just throwing stuff on the ground. Right. But I like really. That's how, how, much... that's how every teenager thinks. Yeah. But like how much time am I actually saving? Like how much more time does it take to take a jacket off and put it on a hanger compared to just throwing mm. it on the ground, yeah, which that's will a... probably cover another important object that I need. Right. So that's the that's the adult conversation talking to the inner child. It's like, why it's I'm gonna save time by having things on the floor. And then I'm so my conversation with my child is, you know, when I say you need to clean your room and they say why, it's like because I'm preparing you for life. I'm prepared. <laughs> These are important tasks and they, they just see it as a chore. And it's like, it's a lot easier if I just throw it on the floor because I'm going to put it on again the next day. I go, no, then it's going to be dirty. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, and I've heard a lot of, uh, you know, even neurotypical people will say, you know, if you have that tendency, uh, what do they call it? It's like a messiness. Me no, it, it, there's a certain room, but it's basically like clutter. Is it clutter? No. No, I I think it's called like a, a slop room or something, but basically okay. it's a room that has a bunch of hooks. So it's oh, like, so, you know, think about it. If you have a kid sure. and their tendency like is room. like, yeah, mud room, that's what it is. Okay. Um, you know, so it's like, all right, your backpack is going to get hung on sure. this one, sure. you know, rung. So it's not like yes. this, oh, I got to walk up to this one place. Right. It's like, it's all there, right, there. Mm -hmm. right in the front. And, mm -hmm. um, my husband's parents have a, a mudroom and they're like, where, you know, they love having the mudroom because it's like, mm -hmm. even if they just throw stuff everywhere in the mudroom, right. at least they know it's in the mudroom. It's going to be in there somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have an organizational routine before engaging in a fixation activity. Again, mm -hmm. I think that's really important because fixation uh, creates that working mm -hmm. memory struggle. Mm -hmm. And especially like if you're, kind of rudely interrupted out of a fixation. Like let's say you're hyper fixated on a project and then you're working until the last minute before you got to go get to a doctor's right. appointment or go to work. Right. If you're still in that fixation fog, that's going to decrease your working memory and make it even harder mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. find your keys, which again, it's, it's, it's taking that time in the morning before you get sucked into other things right. to be able to say, okay, what are the most important things I need to get through my day and right. make sure that you take time to find those things when you're calm mm -hmm. and make sure that if you're like, I don't know where mm -hmm. my keys are, have enough time so that, it, you know, if you have to upend right. your apartment right? Um, or like other things I've had to do. I mean, I remember getting really frustrated because I didn't have certain fidget toys um, mm -hmm. that I, I felt like I needed before I went out into the world. And I, mm -hmm. And I was running out of time and I couldn't find my fidget toys. And I was like, do I really need this? Like, can I cope without this object? Mm -hmm. um, you know, your wallet, your phone, your keys, that's a whole different story. But Agreed, I think yeah. it's important to have some problem solving opportunities to mm -hmm. go, okay, like if I don't have my keys, what do I do if I'm running late? Right. You know, no, that's good to think about. Yeah. All right. So if you live with another person, ask for help. 
Uh, I can't tell you how many times my husband I, has helped me find things. And oh, I know. So annoying. Oh, I, I'm well, looking for something for an hour and my wife is like, it's right here. It's like, God. oh my God. I know. He's like that too. I remember um, I was like, can you call my phone? And I and, yes, and it wasn't I've even like that. I spent a lot of time looking for my phone. I maybe yes. spent like 30 seconds, couldn't find it. I'm like, well, my husband's here. He could just call it. And right. my husband walks into the bedroom and he goes, seriously? And I, I go, know, what right? do you mean? He goes, it's on my side of the bed. Like it was on his dresser. And I was That's like, awesome. how did you find it I so know, instantly? I and I, I didn't. So. Yeah. Um, another thing, don't leave things in your car, especially mm -hmm. like, you know, if you live in an apartment and there's like a great distance that you have to walk, um, you know, that can create a lot of object impermanence struggles where it's mm -hmm. like, I, you know, you think it's in your apartment, it's always in your apartment, but the mm -hmm. one time you leave it in your car, you don't remember right. it's in your car. Um, have coping mechanisms when objects are hard to find, as I talked about before, flexible thinking, mm -hmm. deep breathing. You know, if you if finding the object isn't a time intensive thing, walk away. Now, mm -hmm. when you were talking earlier about, you know, upending your place in order to find an object, have you ever found other objects oh, that definitely. you didn't know you like oh, yeah. I I remember like encountering things like that and I'm like, I I need this. I didn't know I had this here. So it's yeah. like, or it's like, or it's like, I find something. Oh, that's where that was. Yeah. I needed that last week. Don't need yeah. it now. Well, and I think that's why it's so important that neurodiverse people develop continuous spring cleaning, you know, mm. once a year purge, because, you know, the more crap you have in your place, the more likely you're going to have struggles with that object permanence that, and working that memory. Makes sense. So the last thing is, Declutter your place or adopt a minimalist lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that one. <laughs> so this was a topic that I really wanted to cover on this podcast because for my entire life, I have struggled with losing or misplacing important things around the house. And yes, I still struggle with it as an adult. Yes, I quickly indeed. lose my patience and blow a gasket if I can't find that object quickly or in places that I expect it to be. Okay, so how do you think your autism impacts your object permanence and working memory? Um, so as I talked about earlier, I forget where I put things if I'm fixated on something, distracted by an important task that I need to take care of at home, or I'm winding down after a day of work. Mm -hmm. I am so focused or so tired that I forget where I put things. Mm -hmm. And I I do prefer organization, routine, and predictability. Yet, right. as I've talked about earlier in the episode, I'm not an anal person. Right. I actually live with very anal parents. Um, you know, they they have houses where it's like extremely pristine, mm -hmm. white, can't even get water on the marble or it'll etch the marble. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if my lack of analness is right. like a, a rebellion against that. Yeah. I don't know if it's a rebellion, but like sometimes I get anxiety, like if I'm in their house too long. Oh, that makes sense. I feel yeah. like I have to be so perfectly clean and pristine. And yes, you have to and, wipe up after yourself. And, well, and especially like being an artist, you can't live in a house oh, that is like this untouchable white museum. Right. Art um, is messy. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, you know, my brother's like that too. I'm probably the only one that's like, a little lax 
about my my cleanliness. Mm. And, you know, it works for me. It works for my husband. Sure. Um, and but but at the same time, like, I don't understand why I allow myself to get that messy because I get anxious and agitated if I can't find something. Mm. I mean, I feel like, you know, sometimes I, I like organizing because it's it's it, it, in a way it is a form of self-soothing. No, it's I something, agree. you know, that kind of helps me get out of my head, right. engage with my body. Mm -hmm. um, but I, but it's hard to maintain that every day, every sure. hour. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And and I also feel like, you know, once we have kids or a dog, like that ability to keep up a pristine, organized place is going to be very challenging. So yes, indeed. I just That's don't want to put that pressure on myself. But I do think I don't think you need to be anal to be able to have a good system of organization where you can no, put I agree. objects where they belong. For sure. Okay, so when you lose things, what do you typically lose? You talked about this a little bit. Yeah, um, it's always the most important things, like oh, my sure. phone, keys, wallet. I do consider my fidget toys to be pretty important. Okay. Um, things that I would keep in my purse that I would absolutely need before I leave the house. Um, I have been known to misplace my computer and my art supplies. Um, I, I mainly work with pencils. Mm -hmm. uh, so pencils erasers, graphite lead, tiny things. Sure. And so if it leaves my little office, then it's like, I don't know where it is. Um, you know, and so one of the things that's frustrating is even if I'm not in a rush, you know, like I'm leaving the house, I don't like feeling delayed ticking things off on my to-do list. And mm you know, not being able to find these objects that are so important to me delays that ability to, you know, check off my to-do list. Okay. So side question. So when you are going out and things, um, you talked about fidget toys. Are there some typical fidget toys you just kind of leave in your purse because you're, you're going to need something outside of your home? Yeah. And, and actually, um, I used to have a purse that had, so I, I like the, the kind of purses that are like a sling. They, mm -hmm. they go they're They have a long strap and they go all the way around. I, I really hate purses with short straps. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like having small purses because that allows me to have my essentials, mm -hmm. but I used to have a purse that had two compartments. Actually mm -hmm. it had three, but it was like two zipper compartments and then a button compartment. Mm -hmm. So what I did is on one compartment, I would leave my phone, my wallet, and my keys. Mm -hmm. And then the center button compartment would have my checkbook and my, uh, you know, checkbook log. Mm -hmm. And then the other compartment had my fidget toys. Mm -hmm. So I, I really liked that sectioning. But then the purse broke. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my mom had gotten me a new purse, which I, I would say, like, it fits everything. Mm -hmm. But because it's not segmented, I'm mm -hmm. like constantly trying pulling things, things out of my yeah. purse, trying to find stuff. And and I also have a habit, like if I take my keys out to unlock my car, I don't put it back in my purse. I'll put it in like my cup holder. So mm -hmm. then as I'm leaving and then I'm like trying to find my keys to lock my car and then I'm right. like, oh, I left it in my car. So then I got to go back to the car, right. find where it is. I do it with my phone. I've done it with my wallet. And, it, and it's like, if I just paused and mm -hmm. just put it back in my purse 
Right. Um, so going back to the fidget toy thing, so I've amassed a pretty big collection of fidget toys. I have four or five that work pretty well for me. Mm-hmm. I have a, a poppet. I have an infinity cube. I have a chain fidget, which mm-hmm. I used to call like a an infinity chain. Yeah. Um, I have wacky tracks that kind of looks like a snake and you can mm, connect right, it right, right. and all of that. Um, and then there was, I, I used to have like um, a mini fidget spinner mm-hmm. that like my husband got in an arcade a while ago, right. super cheap. I wouldn't say I use it a lot, but I like having options. You know how right. sometimes like you're out somewhere and you just have this like motor skill need and mm-hmm. certain fidgets satisfy that. I would say... I use my infinity cube the most, and I actually now have two infinity cubes. Right. Um, one is plastic, and it's mm-hmm. a lot lighter. And then just recently, my mom and I went to the Museum of Illusions in Scottsdale, Arizona, and they mm. were selling um, infinity cubes that were like made of some kind of aluminum, mm. but it was heavier. Mm-hmm. So I liked having the different weights. Oh, I and see. And sometimes I like being able to like hold both of them. Mm-hmm. And try to fidget with both of them. Um, so for me, it, it's important that I have a purse that's big enough to fit all of my fidgets. And my biggest fidget is my poppet. Right. Um, so, I mean, I don't have like the big wall poppet. That would be too right, excessive. Right, right. But but yeah, I think it's important to have a purse that's big enough to hold everything, mm-hmm. but not so big that, you know, your objects are completely swallowed up in it right and so that that kind of goes to okay you know yourself you know what you need mm-hmm. right but then also um it sounds like having that uh thoughtfulness that mindfulness of um having a purse with those different compartments and each compartment has its own particular thing right it things go that's very organized right so yeah, you're helping I, yourself by yeah. dividing this into and you can easily find it yeah kind of thing. and it sounds like that worked for you it does. And I think it's part of like knowing and accepting how my brain works and finding the path right. of least resistance to make sure mm-hmm. that I have a good system of organization. And and right. for me, the energy of having three separate compartments in my purse is better than having one purse where everything is lumped together. Right. You know, so I feel like there it, it reduces the stress of well, it's not in this compartment. Is it in mm-hmm. this compartment? No, it's not in this compartment. Right, right, right. You know, so. It's always going to be in the same place. Okay. Yeah. So when you lose something, what causes you to lose your cool when you can't find an object you've misplaced? Uh, so I'm impatient. I think part of it is being neurodiverse with mm-hmm. low frustration tolerance. And I do think part of it is genetic. Uh, my parents have also displayed some impatience when not being able to find things or mm. you know being delayed so um <laughs> there's an impatient gene when there no, i don't know i mean i i guess like you know i will invest time in upheaving my apartment and trying to find things mm-hmm. but like if i'm three quarters through it and i haven't mm. found my object then i just start getting angry yeah, exactly. Um, and I don't like doing things that take too much time and disrupt my routine. Oh, so absolutely. I think that's why I just default to be like, well, I'm not going to look or mm-hmm. I'm going to have my husband look for it when he comes home. The worst is when he loses stuff 
Mm. And then he's all in a tizzy and he comes up to me and he goes, can you help me find my keys? I'm like, I can't even find my own keys. What makes you think I'm going to be helpful in helping you find your stuff? Because it's not yours. That's how you can find other people's things. Oh my God. I, it's just, that's how the universe works. I just, I don't, you know, honestly, I think some people just have a stamina for like looking for objects. And I don't have that stamina. Mm. Like if he comes up to me and he goes, help me find my keys. I'm maybe at it for 30 seconds. And I'm like, yeah, I give up. Uh, nope. yeah, I give up. Right. Like, it's not my problem. This is mm -hmm. your problem. It's then. just like, I know that it's, it's just not my forte. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like I'm not going to work myself up over something that I don't have personal stakes over. Mm. And so he knows that. And, you know, so here he is helping me. And then I'm like, I'm not going to help you out. <laughs> Awesome. So anyway, um, and I and I talked about this earlier. It really upsets me when I know for a fact that the object I'm looking for is in the house. Mm, definitely. And so it's like, you know, like I said, you're you're upending your whole apartment or your whole mm -hmm. house mm -hmm. trying to find your that thing. And and you're almost done combing through your place. And you're like, where right. the heck is it? And it's like the passport. It's like. Sometimes it's in a location that you would least. Yeah, how are you going to find that? Yeah. Right, and then you sit there, or like I don't know. I I I hate feeling like dumb when somebody finds it instantly, and I oh for sure sit there and I'm like I just spent an hour trying to find this, yeah. and here you are like oh I found it in a minute, or like you know finding my passport behind a bag of rice. It's like I'm relieved yeah. I found it, and then you also feel like an idiot because you're like why didn't I think. That the passport would go under the drawer. Right. Yeah. Right. Now that that's definitely an outlier, but I think um, a lot of times when we get emotionally wrapped up into something, we get blinders, right? And we can't right. see the bigger picture. We we we're not you know looking in a wide lens. We're looking in such a narrow lens, and our emotions get caught up in stuff that that's how we miss things. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think another issue that I talked about previously is just not allowing yourself time to search for things if you're on a time crunch. You know, you're well, you're fixated, working right. on something up to the last minute. You're like, oh, I know where my keys are. No, they're not in the spot that you wanted it to be in. And then right. you're like, God damn it. I know, um, right. You know, then you're fixated on like, now I'm going to be late for this appointment because mm -hmm. I, you know, and... I just get angry with myself. It's like sure. you put yourself in this own in your own predicament, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 I feel like years and years of having this problem. And I'm like, have you not learned from this? Mm -hmm. Like, when are you going no, to agree, start yeah. getting your act together and putting things where they belong so you don't keep getting upset? Yes, but, I've had that conversation with myself. You know, yes. but then but then when you find it, then you're like, well, whatever. I'm gonna keep the habit. So yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So speaking of which, how do you manage your emotions when you're getting frustrated and not able to find something? So if I have to run a non-urgent errand, I give myself permission to delay my errand and disrupt my routine a little bit so that I can calmly walk around the apartment, mm -hmm. um, taking care of other things until I encounter it. Chances are, if you focus on something else, you'll eventually find it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I, you know, my bed is a mess. I go, all right, well, I'm going to make the bed. And then you make the bed and then you see this lump under the bed, yeah, exactly. pull the bed back, 
oh, there are my keys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so so you end up finding it eventually. Um, and I also like being able to focus on other things because I just, you know, the ability to move your body and get out of your head mm-hmm. can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talked about this earlier. Can I leave the house without that item and engage in flexible thinking? Mm-hmm. I have tried mindful thinking and deep breathing and walking away when I get frustrated. If I know that the object is in my house and it's a non-urgent thing, I have faith I'll eventually find it, but I not might not find it in that moment. And I have to be okay with that. Um, that I ask my husband for help path of least resistance um having a system of organization and disciplining myself to put things in a away in a designated spot mm-hmm. um having a presence practice and you know i i guess like if i'm really committed uh i remember like if i'm like upending my apartment literally i will have a notebook mm-hmm. and i will write okay bathroom Upper center drawer, okay. not there. Interesting. All right, middle drawer, cross it off. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like it. it and sure. It's, no, it's if that such works. an autistic thing to do, but it's just at that yeah. point, I'm like, I need to like literally go through mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. little nook and cranny in my apartment and just cross things off to make sure that I know for a fact it's not there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. How about as a, a teacher? Have you struggled with object permanence and working memory as a teacher? Ironically, my organization is way better in my classroom than it was at home. And I think like, I think it does take a lot of energy unless you have a good system or you have a lot of experience with teaching um, Mm -hmm. to keep your classroom organized, especially like when you're an art teacher and you have a lot of supplies to keep track of. So I put a lot of energy into organizing, you know, organizing my students, classroom management, cleaning up after them. And then I come home and I just have no energy for Mm. my own space. Um, So, you know, I find that good organization benefits both students and teachers. If Mm -hmm. I don't have a system in my classroom that helps me find objects that I misplace, that hurts my students too. I do get hyper fix fixated and detail oriented when I teach a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes that can impact remembering where I put things. Mm-hmm. And usually the things that I forget where they are or they get misplaced are pens, bathroom passes. It's it's right, never right. really like big things. Or, you know, if, if a class ends and there's um a paintbrush on the floor and I pick it up and I'm like, all right, during lunch, I'm going to put that away. No, it doesn't get put away. I just, it's just left on my desk. So right. then I develop a collection of miscellaneous tiny things that I just don't make time to put away. Um, that makes sense. And, you know, I, I guess my priority with organization is organizing myself and organizing the classroom. It's up to the students, you know, for them to stay organized. I don't know about you, but you know, when you have students coming up to you in a tizzy and they're like, I lost my AirPod. Right. You know where it is? And I'm like, you're, you're asking the person who can't even find our keys. <laughs> um, so oh, I'm just right. like, so I just, I'm like, it's not my problem. Like you should know where your AirPods are. Right. Um, you know, or like when they shove things in the back and then they're like, mm-hmm. I lost this project. You right. know, can you give me extended time? It's like, no, like. That's your problem. Right, right. So, 
you know. But, um, but in, in your art classroom, you have stations, right? Do you have stations or no? Because, uh, I mean, it's like at the end of you give, you know, 10 minutes before class ends, everybody has to clean up and put your paintbrushes oh, yeah. away I and mean, clean up and... I have you know, categories. You're your students yeah, I have categories. I I think it's really helpful to put large, colorful labels on every mm. cabinet so students sure. know where things are, where mm. I know where things are. Absolutely. Um, God, I remember I had a mentor teacher where he had labels, but you open it up and you're like, "That's not what that is." You open that's up hilarious. another drawer, that's not what that is. That's and funny. and as somebody who didn't routinely use those things, like it frustrated me that it's like. Why is the object not matching exactly. the label? No, I that um, makes sense. You know, so yeah, so I I think what I really enjoy doing at the beginning of the year is just, you know, like I said, doing that spring cleaning, mm -hmm. um, doing an overhaul, getting rid of old materials, mm -hmm. and then, you know, color coding the paint and where does the paint go? Where do the paintbrushes go? Where do the pencils go? Um, and just having it like nice and orderly. Um and then, of course, throughout the year, it it loses its sense of order. But as long as right. things end up where they should end up, and right. if and if they don't, you have a conversation with your mm -hmm. students. So, um, yeah, I do think cleanup routines are so so important. Mm -hmm. um, I remember the biggest thing that I learned as a teacher is you can't take cleaning routines for granted. You can't just mm. assume that at a certain age, kids know how to clean things up. Right. And I'm accustomed to high school where like, you know, you're like, all right, I'm gonna explain, you know, put soap on your hand, rub the paintbrush in your hand, right. and then put it in water. And they get it. Elementary kids, you're like, all right, go go wash it in the sink. They have no I idea. had, oh my God. I I I taught in a, an elementary placement once and I had students washing their, uh, supplies in the drinking fountain in oh, the toilet in the bathroom sink <laughs> oh my god i was like oh my god yeah. they don't know and these were like eight nine-year-olds sure and so you know so it's like you learn like i have to teach you step by step how to clean and and in a way it's very similar to like teaching a neurodiverse person like you mm. have to model it then you have yes. to have visuals like yes you have, you have to, to do have it more than of, once oh my god yeah once. you do have to do it more than once and so yeah. Yeah, having really, really strong uh, cleanliness routines at the mm -hmm. beginning and the end of the day is really important. And I that will tell sense. you, one of the things I hated having to constantly clean up was those freaking masks. Mm. The first year we went back in person and people were leaving those blue medical masks everywhere. Oh, but I then see. they wouldn't remember to bring their own masks. So here I am doling out hundreds of disposable sure. mask they wear it once throw it on the ground i'm like right <laughs> I just, what are you doing yeah, yeah god so yeah so 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 in addition to keeping yourself organized you have to teach them how to be organized and you right. have to be really good at supervising mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. what are they doing and right. how are they doing it and you know making sure kids aren't leaving with the classroom being in a mess and yeah right. i mean it takes a lot of mental energy to get that place cleaned but you're you're building habit and routine yeah yeah and you know you'd think you'd learn that when you're at home not everybody not, learns that at home not so. necessarily yeah 
So does your son Josh have struggles with misplacing objects and how does it make him feel when he can't find something? Absolutely. He get he gets frustrated when he loses things. Right? So it's an overwhelming sense of frustration and and it can lead to uh, meltdown depending on you know if we have to go somewhere, right? So um, if we have to travel to school and it's 30 minutes and time is of the essence and I have to drop him off at school before I go to school to work, you know, then it, it, I'm upset because I'm going to be late. I can't be late. And he's upset because he can't find things and everybody's upset and it's just not fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the worst when uh, the parent is delayed because the kid can't find the objects they need. Oh, yeah. Have you ever... Have you ever thought of just being like, well, Josh, too bad you can't find that object. We got to go. Mm, well, it depends. I mean, if it's if we are out of time, then we got to go. Right. But if it's going to impact his learning or it's a project that he had to have or something, then I feel bad as a parent because he he has it. He had his homework. He, it's just he can't find it. And now he's going to be dock points because he doesn't have it. So, yeah, that's frustrating for me as a parent. Um, I'd rather not to be in that situation. I mean, I think it can be frustrating. And I, and I think it's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, you would hope that the consequence of them losing that object would motivate them to be more organized. You would but think. I mean, you would think, but because executive functioning is not a strength, Correct. For people with autism and mm -hmm. people with ADHD, mm -hmm. they really need extra support. Right. You know, they right. need that accountability partner to say, all right, like, is mm -hmm. your project in your backpack? You know, let's, right, right. let's find it the night before. Um, you and know, then, like yeah. having those routines to double check where everything is. And, and then having um, consequences too. I mean, that's all part of it because that's part of the learning process. You didn't have it. Um, there are natural consequences in life because you don't have things, right? It could yeah. be time, it could be money, it could be, you know, great, it could be a whole bunch of things, and that's just part of how life works. Right, and I think that, you know, kids don't have that concept of how long things take to, mm. you know, to complete oh, definitely in not. the morning, yeah. you know, because they're like, oh, 10 minutes is enough to right. brush my teeth, get showered, have breakfast. Nope. nope. I mean, I allow myself an hour before I go to work to, you know, get everything done. Cause again, it's like, I don't like feeling rushed getting mm. out, but you know, you learn that from trial and error. When you have to manage yourself, you're like, Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it all depends. But if you're, effort. yeah, if you're a teenager and you just want to roll out of bed, you know, a minute before you have to go out the door, that's something else because you need your sleep or you're lacking sleep. You know, that's a whole other issue, but it's like knowing yourself, know your kid, you know, what is it going to take for you? Um, to get to be successful, yeah, right? and, and I, having having that conversation, and I think it's good for families in general. Like, it's not just a oh, Josh, we need to focus on this with you, but sure. having the whole family come together and say, all right, together we're we're all gonna get organized, you know. So then sure. that way it's it, an established even, yeah. routine, and it's yeah, not a routine sure. that's about a certain kid. It's about sure. like that makes sense. oh, you know, like while I'm getting Josh organized. I'm also getting myself organized. Right, right. And you're right. modeling that, that. So then, you know, your mm -hmm. child sees like, oh, this is an important routine that I need to take advantage of. Right. So um, as a parent, what did you do to help Josh problem solve when he did struggle to find objects? 
Okay. So a lot of it is, is things that we've talked about before. So, you know, if I knew that he wants to sleep into the last minute and he's all groggy in the morning and all this kind of stuff, then if he's a, a night person like I am, then at night we take time to, okay, what are you going to wear tomorrow? Put it in this chair. And it's always going to be in that chair. Um, what materials are you going to need in your backpack? Have your backpack all packed up and ready to go the night before so you can just grab it with the confidence that you have everything in there. So it's it's teaching him to plan ahead the night before because that's when he's the most ready to tackle those things and not at the last minute in the morning where he's groggy and he's not a morning person. He's already grumpy, right? Um and then um, I'm asking Joshua, do you have everything in your backpack? He goes, I don't know. It's like, okay, great. Um, if we did this the night before, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Anyway, so that's what it is. It's it's knowing yourself, knowing your child, and helping them get it organized. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if having a checklist, like if a parent has, sure. you know, these are the things that my child routinely has sure, in their backpack, sure. and then just saying, all right, like, do you have this? Mm-hmm. Pull it out. Do you have this? Pull it out. Right. Um, you know, and if there's a miscellaneous thing like a certain book they're reading in English, do you have that? Pull right. it out. Um, right. You know, so I like that idea. It... Go ahead. No, no, you go. So I like that idea, like as a parent, um, if, especially if I had a, an autistic child um, who could start to do some of this themselves in the elementary level, having a checklist, like you said, um, posted in the room. Mm. where the backpack is, right? Let's say you have a place where the backpack is the night before, and there are certain things that are always going to go into that backpack. Have that as a list that they can actually see and visualize with little boxes, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe um, behind some um, coverings so they can take a a Sharpie, well, not a Sharpie, but something that can be erased. Yeah, like a dry erase marker. Sure, a dry erase board or something like that so they can actually check it off. Right. And then they can pack their backpack themselves because they have a checklist and everything's in there. So I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say you wake up one morning. Josh has no idea where anything is and he Mm -hmm. is having a bad sensory day or he's kind of just on the edge of a meltdown. What do you do? Okay, so it all depends. How much time do we have before we have to go? No, oh, I'm asking you. Give you're me, asking give me. me. Yeah, it's the morning of. Right. So, so I don't know, like at most an hour. Oh, that's all kinds of time, right? <laughs> that's all kinds of time. So if we have an hour, shoot, man, it, it's more likely that we have 15 minutes <laughs> if we're going to be honest here. But if we had a yeah. lot of time, right, and I see this building up, you know, we take a break right there. I give him a hug, right? We talked about this in a previous episode. Um, we break that cycle. We learn to break that cycle, identify where the triggers are, right? He's starting to get upset. I just give him a hug, right? Try to get him out of that mindset he's in and saying, all right, okay, let's breathe. Let's calm down. Let's relax. Okay. And let's take it one step at a time. Let's get dressed. Um, let's get some breakfast. And then after that, because, you know, cause I know how a, a couple of things really set Joshua off, um, that I learned in, in elementary school, he's hungry and he's tired. So let's get him some food. Um, there's not a whole lot I can do about him having lack of sleep if he had a restless night, but at least I can get him, you know, so he has some food. Okay. So then we're doing that and we're getting into routines. 
Okay, and then it's like, all right, now we have some other time. Let's like locate some things, put it in our backpack, put it by the door so we know to grab it on the way out. What else do we need? How are you feeling right now? Right, kind of do those uh, mental checks, right? If we if we are out of time and we're, you know, five minutes before we have to leave and we can't find things, we can't find things, right? And we got to go anyway. And then I, I say, okay, so there might be some consequences because you don't have things and everything in your backpack, but um, we'll deal with those later. We just got to get out of here and get on time, mm-hmm. right? So you just kind of prioritize things. And then at the end of the day, we kind of, you know, all right, so um, in the morning, we really struggled. What can we do to avoid that from happening, right? So we have that conversation. When he's calmed down, it's over. The crisis is over. So he's more rational. And we try to think about, okay, how do we prevent that kind of craziness from happening again what can we do right and how ha- and teach him how to um really problem solve that himself yeah yeah i guess in my opinion i feel like depending on the age of the child if they're in that sensory defensive state or they're mm-hmm. really agitated i don't think the parent should just default to all right i'm going to find everything for you right because you still need to teach the child, okay, what are the coping skills you're going to get to mm-hmm. get out of that state so then they can get back to, you know, looking for it because what's going to happen when they're living on their own mm-hmm. and they're agitated and they can't self-soothe to redirect to finding those objects. Right. And I think that's why, you know, getting organized the night before is really important or just, you know, doing it when you're your body and your stamina is in a good spot because mm-hmm. you just never know what's going to happen the next right. morning. You know, if yep. you don't have a good amount of sleep or mm-hmm. you're waking up having a sensory hangover and, you know, and and you're really truly not in a good state of mind to scour your apartment looking for objects. And then you're going to be further pissed off because you don't have time to find things. Mm-hmm. Um and and I do think that even if you are maybe in a mild state of distress, if you have a good routine, mm-hmm. your body's just going to pick things. Right, right. Um, you get that and I will, muscle memory. Yeah. yeah, and I will say from the girl's perspective, like, I can't tell you how many times I've laid out clothes that I thought I wanted to wear the next day. Okay. And then I look okay. at the clothes the next morning and I'm like... No, this is not what I want to wear. So then I sit in the closet and I just stare at my clothes and I'm like, what am I going to wear? And I burn 20 minutes picking clothes, which is such a girl problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the other thing, too, is like like uh, sometimes the night before it's like, oh, I'll I'll pack a pair of jeans um, Mm -hmm. or I'll pack a pair of like crinkly pants. And right. then the next morning I have a bad sensory day and I'm like, jeans are not going to work. Oh, okay. And so I, I then that, think. Then that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And and honestly, like during my third year of teaching, I just completely changed my wardrobe. Right. So that all of my pants, especially my pants, but, you know, some sometimes my shirts, they're all stretchy pants. They're mm-hmm. very comfy, professional, you know, teacher professional looking stretchy sure. pants because no matter what my mood is or what my state is, I'm not going back in and I'm not changing my clothes. Mm -hmm. I have a pair of pants that I know are going to work regardless of what my physical or emotional state is. Yeah, that makes Um, sense. So I think like having things that are just really consistent Mm -hmm. um, 
So you don't wake up and you're like, no, I don't want to wear that thing that I thought I would wear the next day. Right, right. Uh, so that's funny. Anyway, if you have students that struggle with object permanence and working memory, what do you do to support them? So, uh, okay, so if we're if we're losing things, you know, retrace your steps, um, but really uh, work on organizations like we talked about. Um, and I talked about this, you know, I I tell this to my students, you know, be your own best friend. If you know what's going to frustrate you and you can have this conversation with yourself later, it's like, how can I do something that will prevent me from getting frustrated over this thing, right? could be studying for a test or being prepared or losing something or whatever it happens to be. You just kind of have that conversation with yourself. It's like, what are some steps that I can do to help reduce my stress over this, right? And so have that conversation with yourself. And I also say, well, have a plan B. If plan A is not working and you're out of time, you got to do something, have a plan B. And the other thing I um, encourage my students to do is write things down in a planner or because you have that tactile thing that'll help you remember things, um, or use your phone, use your calendar. Students used to love it when I say, okay, everybody get out their phone. Now we're gonna put that, when is the test, right? Let's put that in our planner, right? Let's put it in our calendar. And I'm going, what? You're using your phone up for something else than, than chatting with somebody? Oh, crazy. Yeah, we have an app for that. It's called a calendar. It's called a list, right? Why don't we use our phones for this? And so, you know, it's teaching them how to be organized, really. Oh, God. One thing, one of my biggest pet peeves when I was teaching is, so we, we use Canvas. And mm -hmm. so I, the due date, so the due date's automatically at the bottom of the assignment. Right. And then in the title of the assignment, I also put due on this date. And then sure. I have a whiteboard. Oh, and I say, you know, this is when the project's due. Mm -hmm. The amount of students that came up to me and they go, what does this project do? Yeah, I know, exactly. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> no, let me show you three places where it was. Oh, my and then God. If you do that once to them, then they don't, then they don't ask you. It, it's like, you tell uh, me. I don't know. You tell me three places students, where the due date's in. I've had students ask me multiple times. And, and, and there's nothing more frustrating then when you go above and beyond mm -hmm. to, you know, set your organizational routines to, to right. a level that you didn't think is necessary. Right. And then the kids are like, I don't know. I didn't right. see the due date. Exactly. So it, again, I mean, it goes to exactly what we just talked about. It's helping students um, or our children learn how to problem solve for themselves and be accountable for themselves and be responsible. Mm -hmm. Right. I've told you multiple times where the due dates are. Um, if you don't have it, it's now late. Okay. Well, Next and issue. I, well, and I was going to say one of the, I think that the gaps of understanding for kids in general, but I think also, especially kids with autism, like mm -hmm. I think students with autism are very, let's just say they have a lot of adults in their lives that are like, how are you doing on your homework? How organized yeah. are you? You know, like, sure. like there's multiple accountability partners. So, sure. you know, sometimes students with autism just coast, mm -hmm. you know, not to say that they're not doing the hard work, right. but they have a team of adults around them that are going out of their way mm -hmm. to make sure that student is helping them. But then when they get into the workplace, mm -hmm. their boss is not going to be going out of their way. True. No, it's you know? And so I, I'm not going to go so far as to say like, people should back off because I do think the modeling is important. Right. 
But I think about it as a teacher and especially like when I work with my seniors and, mm -hmm. and they just, when I had seniors, neurotypical seniors that had no concept of due dates and, you know, oh, I'm trying to get this project done and turn it right, in, but I'm in a right. place that has no cell reception. And, mm -hmm. and, and I don't know, I'm just like, you should have this stuff figured out. You're right. about to be an adult. Right. Um, and so I think like it, it gets frustrating for me as a teacher to go above and beyond for kids to not still not get it, which mm -hmm. I think is a choice, not a intellectual capability. Mm -hmm. And then I just have to say, you're going to have to learn from natural consequences of you not fully right. understanding. Um, and that's right. just the reality of a job. I mean, like if bosses invested that much time into all their employees, like they'd burn out. And so I think- And it's I not think, their job. Yeah. And I think that every student, whether they're on the spectrum or not, they really need to know what works best for them so that mm -hmm. they are able to be independently self-managed right? so that, you know, the people around them aren't frustrated that they need to, you know, manage. Right. Right, they right. need to manage them in, in order to get the job done. Um, and speaking of that, do you have any advice for autistic professionals related to working memory and object permanence in the workplace? Okay, so I think just to kind of put a wrap on this, um, we as professionals, we as parents, we as um, educators are, are trying to support and offer supports and tools for those on the spectrum throughout their lives, just like we're talking about. Um, our hope is, is that um, as children get into our classrooms in kindergarten and first grade and, and through elementary school, there's a lot of tools, there's a lot of supports in place. And as that person grows up, more experience, um, grows into adulthood, um, they and they have more um, capacity to understand and make their own decisions, you know, that those tools kind of go down a little bit and it less supports, less supports as the child um, takes on more and more responsibilities. I mean, that's the hope, right? So as the, that person becomes um, a, an adult and is in the workplace, we're hoping at that point that there's a wealth of tools and um, problem solving activities that they have at their disposal to help them navigate wherever they end up in the workplace or wherever they end up at home or where whatever city that they uh, choose to reside in, that they will have that wealth of tools and they can live uh, a happy, strong, independent life. That is the hope. So it all, all depends, of course, on the degree of um, their disability, of course. But I mean, that is the hope. And so a lot of the things that we have talked about in terms of being organized, being your best friend, having um, that conversation. It's like, I know this is going to frustrate me. Uh, where can I put things? You know, having specific places in the home where you put things and that's the only place they go in. Um, having organization, having routines, all of those things will help, um, not only for them in their home, but also in the workplace. And also, you know, um, know yourself in the workplace. If th something is going to aggravate you, Right, we talked about this. Um, is there a place you can go to kind of chill out? Can you take a walk? Can you take a break? Um, so you can, you know, break out of that that cycle that you're in of frustration. So you can come back and um, tackle that 
whatever that problem was um, from mm -hmm. a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, how about you? Any tips you'd like to add? Um, so I, I agree with you in the sense that the hope with being in a school environment is that you're learning what works best for you. Mm -hmm. And my calling as a teacher working with neurodiverse students, not just students with autism, is I didn't really care how they grew as artists. But if I was able to give them a safe space to grow with their executive functioning mm -hmm. and they walked away with, you know, oh, now I know what works for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, now I know I can overcome this struggle. Like there's this sense of hope. Mm. Um, and, and again, you, you hope with all of those people in that support system, you know, especially caseworkers, they're able to have those conversations to say, okay, like maybe this doesn't work for you. Right. Maybe this works. No, How exactly. do you advocate? Sure. Um, I actually remember, so in March, we went to a neurodiversity in the workplace conference and mm -hmm. I think it was my workshop. I don't think you were there, but there was, there was a woman who was talking about how she needed an assistant. She was like the high, high, I don't think she was like the principal, but she was like a high level academic director at a school. Okay. And I, I don't know, I don't know if she had ADHD or autism, but she was definitely neurodiverse. And she said one of the things that just made it so hard for her in the workplace uh, she just tried in vain to organize herself, but it was, you know, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And she was constantly getting negative feedback on her mm -hmm. evaluation about her executive functioning struggles. And she just got to the point where she knew she needed an assistant, but okay. the school didn't have enough money right. to, you know, fund an assistant. So she got really frustrated because she's like, this is an ADA accommodation that I need. Mm. Um so I, I do think, you know, I mean, wouldn't life be fantastic if we all had a personal assistant? Right. Um, but I do think that if if you truly are struggling and you've tried everything and you just know you need an accommodation, you know, having mm -hmm. those self-advocacy skills is going to be really important. I do think space is also really important. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the size of a cubicle versus the size of a classroom. Mm -hmm. and um, and I think, you know, for teachers in particular, it's really good to talk to other teachers and talk about like, how do you, what is your feng shui? What is your interior design of your classroom? What worked for you? Right. What didn't? Um, especially like other teachers in your department, um, you know, especially when it comes to phones, like what do, what do people do with right. phones? Like, right. how do you manage yourself? How do you manage your students? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it, it just, I, I do think that being in the workplace, you know, you got to come into the workplace with a good amount of self-awareness of knowing mm -hmm. what works, being armed to equip your place with what works. Mm -hmm. And then if there really are struggles, you have a couple of options. One is, you know, you seek a mentor uh, mm -hmm. or you seek like, I don't know, like there are organizational therapists, like mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. company organization but right, like right, you know, right. tidiness organization um you know career coaches mm -hmm. um and then you know if if you do all of those things and it's still a struggle seek an accommodation okay um so kind of demonstrate know, that you're trying to solve the problem on your own first yeah yeah because you don't you don't want to have learned helplessness right about uh your executive functioning 
your working mm-hmm. memory. And and honestly, if the working memory really is that bad, you may need to consider going to like a neurologist or somebody mm-hmm. that can kind of mm-hmm. help strengthen that working memory. I don't know what that looks like, but you right. know, it's it's an important life skill basically. Yeah. That makes um sense. you know, I do think, you know, having organizational routines that are consistent. So if you have a certain routine at home, make sure you have that routine in your workplace. The nice thing about, you know, work compared to school, you know, kids are just every 50 minutes they're switching. Can you right. imagine having to have that same organizational routine eight times a day and then do it at home? So it's nice in the workplace that like maybe you need to have that organizational check in, you know, once when you come in, once when you leave, maybe right. another time before lunch, just so that you're not completely mm-hmm. losing your mind by the end of the day. That makes um, sense, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, the more routines for tracking objects stay consistent between all of your frequently visited places, the mm-hmm. less likely you'll be to lose something. So, you know, if you're going to a conference room, maybe don't bring a lot of things. So then, right. and, you know, have it all in front of you. So then, you know, like, all right, I'm going to grab this and that. Um, and I think that that's where I don't want to say minimalism, but just making sure that your workspace has the essentials, that it's right. not cluttered with unnecessary stuff. Um, oh, one thing I will add. Uh, so if you're a teacher and you have students that give you gifts, make sure that you have a special place where you put those things. I had a student who gave me a Starbucks gift card. This mm-hmm. was during, um, uh, there was a teacher strike. And right. uh, and so there were a lot of parents that were feeling bad for us. And so uh, the student was like, oh, here's, here's a Starbucks gift card. I appreciate you. Thank you for all that you do. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet. So I left it on my desk in the open. What mm. do you think happened? Somebody took it. One of my students took the freaking Starbucks gift card. And I was like, and then I had a tizzy because I'm like, I know it's here. And I scoured mm. everything. And so then right, by the right. end of it, I was like, I know a teenager probably saw that Starbucks <laughs> gift card. It was like, that's mine. Yep. So, anyway. yeah, I mean, got to you know, or or I remember there was another time where keep your I valuables had like, in a safe place. Oh my god, yeah, I I had like a mechanical pencil, and two boys friends. One took the eraser, the other took the pencil part. Yeah, and I boys. like, oh god, there's there's nothing that irritates me more than losing like my precious pencil or my precious mm, pen. Right. Um, and I I had a student who gave me um pens with like they they were shaped like paintbrushes mm-hmm. and you know and my students are like oh can i borrow that pen i'm like no exactly <laughs> those are my the, special pens <laughs> yes and then they look at you like you're weird it's like yeah mm-hmm. totally yeah. um all right so give yourself transition time to clean up and get organized before leaving or arriving somewhere mm-hmm. um you know having a checklist of important objects to have before you leave so just like how we were talking about you know if you have a backpack and the kids getting used to, you know, all right, I have all of these things. Like sometimes for certain people, it helps to have it in writing. And, you know, right before you leave, there's a whiteboard on the door and you go, okay, do I have this? Do I have that? You know, rather than making the assumption that you do and then getting to your car and being like, oh no, I forgot my keys. Mm-hmm. Um, have a system for tracking objects that don't require a lot of brain power. Uh, make sure that you are remembering to put important objects in the same place every day, build new habits. 
Um, I think in relation to this, one thing that can be helpful is like, if you have a drawer, you know, buy drawer dividers. Um, right. no, because sense. otherwise it's going to be like the deep cabinet where you just have a bunch of stuff that keeps getting right. rolled and shoved around and then you're yes. reaching in the back of the drawer. So and if you're you trying have to like, find your, yeah, you're trying to find that passport behind the rice and it's, it's crazy. Yeah, so it, so basically the way you can look at it is it's an investment in something organizational sure. that that takes away brain power that you would usually spend if things were cluttered. Makes sense. And then, you know, as I said earlier, work with a therapist to build skills for working memory. And if you really need it, have an accountability person that can double check with you that you have mm. everything you need. I don't know if okay. Alexa is like Alexa the speaker. That would be kind of mm. funny if, like, right before you leave, Alexa, help me check my supplies. Yeah, but that'd if be that's what creepy, you need and that works, I don't know. You know, maybe that yeah. would be helpful. So, hmm. all right. Well, we've come to the end of this episode. So we've talked about what object permanence and working memory is or are, and we have as well. We talked about how it impacts autistic and neurodiverse people. We also talked about solutions for managing these challenges with object permanences and working memory. So our next episode is autism and masking. And for those of you who don't know what masking is, masking is the being able to hide or disguise autistic behaviors and mm -hmm. quirks to uh, superficially pass as a neurotypical person. Sounds like an important episode. Can't wait to it do is, it. Well, I mean, aren't all of ours important episodes? That is true. That is true. <laughs> All right, follow Understanding Autism on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to receive updates on our upcoming podcast episodes. I also make artwork and poetry to promote each episode. Subscribe to Understanding Autism on YouTube and listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, etc. Like, subscribe, and leave a comment. If you have questions for us, post them on our Facebook group or email us at Brett and Nicole at understandingautism.info. All right. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week. Until then, I am Brett Thayer. And I'm Nicole Cabillas. 